Welcome back to JR Takes. As always, Ryan Rogers and Jonah Hoffman coming at you live. Yes, sir. Uh, and we just got through, unfortunately, knocked out of the playoffs last weekend by the Houston Astros. Kind of foresaw that coming with going down 2-0. Should have taken that first game. That one really stung. But what can you do in that situation? I mean, I would by no means call the season a, a disappointment. If anything, just I mean, because- we won a playoff series still. It was a huge success. I was not... I was bummed for a very short period of time after we lost that game. And then I was like, wow, we got a really bright future ahead of us. That being said... Yeah, there's so many rookies that were making significant contributions on this team. I I have high hopes for the future. However, I, being the, that I am not a former professional athlete, I have to do a lot of my um, experience slash research on YouTube. (laughs) Um, and, uh, I was watching a, I was, I think I was watching the highlights of the game. Um, and, uh, I like to read a lot of comments on, you know, what just the general, just the general fans, um, what their consensus is on the team opinions, et cetera. And, uh, someone made a comment of if we don't make the postseason for the next 20 years, like our current, our situation going into this year's postseason, uh, we will always question making that pitching change with Robbie Ray in the in game yeah. one. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous. We're going to make the playoffs next year, so that doesn't matter. But then it got me thinking, we got Ichiro in his rookie year in 2001. We didn't make the playoffs again after that. There's just no way that's going to happen This was Julio's again. rookie year. I know. It just got me thinking. <laughs> it got me paranoid. And the... 20-year drought, 21-year drought made its way back to my head. If that happens again, then we are truly just fucking cursed. If that happens again, then just get rid of the team. because (laughs) Trade them for the Sonics. Sure. (laughs) Or just uh, don't have baseball here, or I don't care. Just Anyway, I don't think that's going to happen, but it did make me slightly... Scared. (laughs) It gave me anxiety for like five minutes. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's just something about Seattle sports and losing in the most heartbreaking way conceivable. Mm -hmm. And that Astros game, I mean, God, like since the Super Bowl with the Seahawks in 2014, has there been more of a crushing, so close to victory loss? I don't think so. No. no. I mean, and to a team like that. Yeah. To the fucking Astros, too. I mean, like, the most hated team in baseball, in my opinion, at least from my point of view. No. And what's frustrating is I think the Astros are probably going to end up in the World Series, if not win the whole thing. thing. And we could have won all three of those games. We we were winning or tied into into extra innings in all three of those games for a significant portion and that they either came back or we just couldn't close it was like it was like every time we had a chance to seal the deal it's almost like i i I doubt this was the case but it felt like the team was like oh my god we're we're about to be the astros we're gonna do it and then they blew it i think you know i think there's a lot of parallels between the Mariners losing to the Astros and us losing to the Falcons in 2012. I wouldn't compare it to losing to the Patriots in the Super Bowl because, mm. like KJ Wright mentioned on on the podcast that I listened with him the other day, and he was asked what loss, I guess what was the differences between the two losses of Falcons-Patriots? Like what, 
how could you compare the two? And he said night and day, the Falcons loss helped the team because it made everyone hungrier. Whereas after the Super Bowl, it had everyone questioning philosophies. Yeah, yeah it was what a, it was a you. crippling it, it was, loss. It, you couldn't get much lower than that loss. Yeah. And um, I kind of just think the Mariners are following suit in that regard uh, as far as um, – this loss to Houston was we were so close to being to getting over that hump and being legit and we just couldn't do it. It's like if we had one just better hitter in the lineup, we would have swept them. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it was it was that was the difference is like you, we just needed a little more offense. We had guys on base. We had guys in scoring position to seal it in and- all three games. And I think all those uh, all those needs will be addressed in the offseason. Mm-hmm. I think my. Kind of a hot take prediction. I think JP will move to second, and he'll either move to second and will sign Trey Turner from the Dodgers, or he'll stay at short and Trey Turner will go to second. Do you think they are going to make a move um, and move on from Jesse Winker, or do you think they give him another chance? I was just going to bring that up because I don't know if you've been hearing a lot of the rumors going around about Jesse Winker quitting on the team and all that stuff, which was a real bummer because he won me over... Yeah, with I, the brawl. Yeah, he, that's how he won me over. He won me over. I was, I was his guy. He was my guy. Like, I was all on board with Jesse. And then I, um, I went to that uh, doubleheader at the end of the year against Detroit. And apparently, he didn't even show up for the. He either didn't show up for the games in general, or he wouldn't play. That was because I. That's I, odd. I heard um, Ryan Divish. He re- reports on the Mariners to the Seattle Times, and he. That's where I heard that information from, that he just didn't post up for the game and he wasn't there. And he didn't go with the team to Toronto or Houston in the playoff run, which was really sad because... Yeah, I don't get that. He was supposed to be such a important piece to this team going well, into the year. He seemed like such a team guy during the brawl era, too. I yeah. Mean, just I mean, the, the how interviews I saw s- with him and everything, like, he was And also, passionate. how could you not seem like a team guy... F- literally fighting people for your teammates. Yeah. Like it just doesn't make any sense. It just it just seems like it just goes to show you like with the Russell thing, for example. Behind closed doors you have yeah. no idea what's going on. So and we'll get to Russell here in a second. Yeah. But I figure we'll we'll end the podcast with that discussion because you know I, I don't want this to just be the Russell Wilson story podcast, but we gotta talk about it. It's yeah it's, I mean it directly affects the teams we're covering so and I mean, it's the the most unprecedented thing I've seen in 17 years of watching football. Yeah, yeah, but. it's it's absolutely crazy. But to answer your question uh, about Jesse Winker, you know, I really thought going into the season, like I said, I thought he was going to be really important for us. I thought, yeah. he, like, this is a guy we bring in, we'll extend him, have him here for the long haul. But now I'm like... I don't. I like my feelings of towards him before I heard all this. I like I heard a little bits and pieces of this type of narrative yesterday morning, and I was like, eh, I don't buy it. I still think he's going to be around the team, but man, I didn't know it had gotten this bad, and that he didn't even like travel go with the team. With the or, team. Yeah, they told him to. From my understanding, they told him to go home, straight up, and that doesn't sound good and, for and, his prospects and, on the Mariners. And, yeah, how often does a guy literally get told to go home, you're gone? Like, if anything, that seems like the last straw. Well, I just me. think of, I mean, the closest comparison I can think of off the top of my head is what just happened to Robbie Anderson mm-hmm. on Sunday. Yeah. They 
kicked him out of the game after he threw a temper tantrum on the sideline or something like that. The Panthers did. And then he's traded to Arizona like a day later. Yeah. So normally yeah. when you see stuff like that, it means their time on the team is limited. See, I think the only thing I think is different in this situation is that was national news. Everyone saw that on the television. No one knew about this. No one knew this was happening. So I think you can find self. It is salvageable um, to maybe have that talk with Jesse Winker, bring him in. It's either have that tough conversation with him or cut him loose, trade him. Yeah. De- designate for assignment, what what have you. But uh no, I don't I don't foresee him returning to the team next year. I want him to. I think he's deserved a second chance. Um all the time you see people in baseball getting traded or going to a new team, struggling their first year and then they figure it out. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we'll see. I I don't know. I would be happy to see him on the team. I don't think he's going to be. That's my two cents on the matter. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I mean, I I just consider the season was a success because we broke the streak. So um, knowing how young and talented our team is, I think the future is very bright Mm -hmm. uh, for the Seattle Mariners. So I I think we'll be back, and I think we got a real shot at winning it all next year if they just make some key additions. I not only do I think we'll be back, I think we're gonna be the most. I think we're gonna make the most noise in the off season. I think we're gonna bring in a lot of spending lot of, spree. I think we're gonna break out the the uh, the old paycheck, nice, or the, or the old checkbook, the old piggy bank, eh? Yeah, we're gonna bust open. We're gonna have to break open that pink pink piggy jar take out a couple <laughs> coins and uh distribute them amongst the the good players in the league well it'll be fun to speculate who they might go after in the off season going through this i i just uh, the only person i hope we don't sign is carlos correa i'll be really mad if we do that because he's a former astro douchebag <laughs> but he would be perfect for our team which is annoying <laughs> uh well, anyways, shifting gears to football, the Seahawks defense decided they remembered how to play football this last weekend. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah, and what's funny is it they couldn't have picked a better game to do it because the offense really was kind of stuck in reverse a lot of this game. Uh, the offensive line kind of got the shit kicked out of them for a lot of this game, and I know the Arizona Cardinals have a good defensive front. J.J. Watt when you know his youth returns to him is still one of the most dangerous defensive linemen in the league um isaiah simmons had a couple good blitzes their outside linebacker linebacker and uh cross and lucas looked like rookies gabe or not gabe jackson uh damian lewis had a horrifically bad game um for some reason pro football focus thought he did good i swear to god i don't understand how they do their grading sometimes because i saw damian lewis get like destroyed several times i feel like the person running pro football focus is a dumbass (laughs) like legitimately so i shit you not every i i feel like they just want to be like hot take 24 7 like yeah i like i really don't get how they they do it up with makes any sense and sometimes how they, it how they does people like sometimes it, it's like oh yeah the player who is clearly eye test and statistically been playing the best is the number one pff guy at that mm-hmm. position and then sometimes you see like a jacoby Brissett is like top or like four daniel jones or something yeah and you're like you're just like what numbers are you putting into this equation to get this because <laughs> i think you misplaced a decimal place or something um but uh, anywho, um, Tariq Woolen is the NFC Defensive Player of the Week 
and he got another interception. He got a fumble recovery. I mean, we every single podcast now we end up talking about this guy. He's looking like the best draft pick we've had in a decade. We'll have to get him on here one of these in the in the next couple weeks. Yeah, we'll we'll find a way to get him on here. Yeah, I'll just before he blows up and gets too big for for our podcast, <laughs> which he probably already was born. He's, he's definitely not yet. He, we could <laughs> easily get him on here. We just are we're choosing not to because. Ryan and I have this chemistry going. We don't want a third guy to mess it up. So. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, yeah, uh, he looked great. Kobe Bryant had his best game in coverage by far. Um, made a couple of pass breakups. You know what's Just, awesome about him is we got Tariq intercepting balls over on the uh, left side, right side, whatever side he's on. On the other side, we got Kobe Bryant knocking balls out. Yeah. So he's like he's kind of like Peanut Tillman Jr. out there punching that ball out. <laughs> Um, and in other news, uh, we've placed, well, I mean, granted, this is just a rumor, but a bunch of different outlets have reported on it. Uh, Sidney Jones is apparently on the trade block. And I think that's because Trey Brown is going to be coming back from that knee injury he got last year. And last year before he got hurt, he looked like the best defensive player on our team, in my opinion. I know. I, I was wondering where he was. I didn't know. what Was it the same tendon that Jimmy Graham tore? Yeah, and that's a really tough injury to come back from. Yeah, so that's where I assumed he was because starting the year, I was wondering where he was going to fit in our defensive schemes and... Uh, like depth chart and all yeah that. uh you think uh, kobe bryant will still stay in the nickel corner and yeah, Trey well, brown will take over number one i think that's how they're planning on um having this work out um although mike Jan- jackson has been playing good at the left cornerback position yeah but uh that's where um he, he trey brown was playing last year was at the, on the left side mm-hmm. so i think it'll be um from left to right trey brown and then Kobe in the nickel, and then Tariq Woolen just on the right side. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think right cornerback in the Seattle defensive scheme, I know it's a little different this year, but it's always kind of been um, a little bit less pressure than the left spot. Um, and Tariq is just doing so damn good at it. Like he's literally playing like a top five cornerback in the mm-hmm. league right now as a fifth round rookie that was playing receiver a few years ago. It's crazy. Um but uh, I think um, Trey Brown, they, they he just projects better on that side because of his coverage abilities. Because mm-hmm. Tariq, he, he's smaller, as, but he's quick. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's faster than Tariq though, because Tariq he, runs a too. No, there's I don't think there's <laughs> few people that are playing any sport that are faster than Tariq Wool in, in a straight yeah. line. Um, but I think. Trey Brown is a little shiftier than him, mm-hmm. perhaps. That makes more sense because he's, he's closer like, to the ground. And he's like 5'10", <laughs> 5'11". Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you, if you go back to when Sherman was, you know, in his prime, he didn't struggle with the Calvin Johnsons and, like, the Mike Evans of the world. He struggled no. with, like, the Julian Edelman little quick guys. Yeah. And, you know, from my playing experience, those guys are always way harder for me to cover than someone that was around my size. Mm-hmm. Just because... They can, they're slider. They can move quicker laterally. Um, but anywho, uh, the secondary suddenly looks like a huge position of strength for the Seahawks, especially when you consider next year, we're going to have Jamal Adams back, which and, is sorry to interrupt you, but it's so funny because that was like when last year ended, I was like, 
our corner situation is atrocious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you draft two of them and have them both hit, and you pick up this guy off the street named Michael Jackson, and for some reason he's playing like a solid starter in the NFL, and you have your 2021 rookie coming off of IR um, being one of the better players from last year, it suddenly looks really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and they even have some guys lower than that on the depth chart, like uh, Artie Burns, who was starting for the Bears last year. Artie Burns sounds like he's a 1940s. Like, <laughs> yeah, he seems reporter. like he, he should be in the mob or reporting on the mob or something <laughs> like that. I agree with you. Um, but uh, yeah, just going back to the game again, um, it was awesome to see that. It was also awesome to see the emergence of Kenneth Walker. Um he, I don't know if you've got a chance to watch the whole game. I did, I watched yet. the whole game. He, if he was a lesser player, would have gotten like 20 yards rushing in that game. The blocking was not good. He just, he, I saw a stat. He's forced a missed tackle on half of his carries. There was a play, I can't remember where we were in the game. I think it was early on. It was a big run he had um, going from north end to south end. Mm-hmm. Um he did like a cutback and ran up the sideline. You yeah, know what play I'm yeah. talking about? Is it the one where it looked like five guys were about to tackle And him? then he had vision and then he shifted to the right. And, and somehow yeah. evaded all of them and yeah. then broke a tech tackle and kept going. Yeah. That was one of the, I know Rashad, like Rashad Penny's kind of like just a screaming bullet. Like if he gets a little tiny window, he's going to take it to the house kind of mm-hmm. running back. Kenneth Walker has just insane lateral uh, movement and um, vision and power. He's a di- he's a different type of back than Penny for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a bummer we don't have both of them, but um, I think he's going to be able to carry the load just fine, assuming he stays healthy. Yeah, that's kind of a big if. Uh, I hope we don't overwork him. I mm. fear that's what the Steelers are doing to Najee Harris in Pittsburgh, uh, and I hope we don't do that. To our back, uh, I imagine we're going to re-sign Rash, uh, Rashad Penny. I hope we do in the off season. But. Um, I know. So he tore a ligament inside his ankle. And I know that particular ligament can take about a year to heal. Mm. But even with that, uh, I'd be down to give him a one or two year deal because when he's healthy, he's legitimately the most explosive back in the league, and he we could probably get him for like not much more than the vet minimum, like two or three million dollars, mm-hmm. which. I mean, that's not chump change for us, but for the NFL, it is. Um, and just I like Rashad Penny. I want him I want him to give another chance. You know, when when he's healthy, he's always been awesome. And when you have two good running backs like that, it just makes your offense that much more potent. It's crazy to me, too, that how mu- how frequently he's been injured, because it seems like he hasn't really had a lot of like he hasn't put a lot of time on his legs since being in the NFL. Yeah, he's been on the bench a bunch. He gets just in these freak injury accidents, and he's out for the year. Well, and uh, it's just so unlucky, too, because most of the injuries he's gotten have been, like, as you said, freak incidents where, like, you saw his ankle get twisted. Like, that's not from not being in shape. That's from terrible timing of people tackling you who is that one running back we had a few years ago that was made of glass that was really good oh cj pro size cj pro size yeah Yeah, he was he was legit made of glass it was like he gets tackled and breaks every bone in his body (laughs) (laughs) sorry cj you had an awesome game against the patriots um 
Uh, but yeah, um, overall, the game was um, it was kind of an odd one. It felt like we should have been blowing them out the whole time because of how our defense was playing. But we we couldn't quite get on the scoreboard besides field goals. Besides that uh, Kenneth Walker run. Um, Gino missed a couple deep balls that he's been hitting most of the year. I'm not too worried about that. Nobody can play as good as he's been playing every game. Mm-hmm. Um, and he even admitted it in the press conference. I don't think he had a bad game by any means. He was under immense pressure the whole game. Um, line needs to do better th- this week against the chargers. Um, but yeah, overall the game, I mean, I was really just biggest takeaway from the Cardinals game was how good our defense played and how bad the Cardinals offense is as well. Just as far as like, you know, actually well scripted plays and not just Kyler Murray being a really good athlete they look pretty useless. <laughs> yeah, I'm really surprised that Cliff King- Kingsbury's been able to hold on to his job. Me too. For he as long just as he was. And I could be wrong. I think it was Pro Football Focus. I could be wrong on this. But before the season started, you know who was ranked the fourth best overall head coach in the league? Don't tell me it was Cliff. It was Cliff. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. He's no, been a not. horrible coach every year he's done it <laughs> like he's been a main reason why they haven't won <laughs> i'm just telling you what i saw <laughs> yeah um so yeah next game we got coming up is against the chargers who after the monday night game I'm, i actually like our chances in this game i think denver did us a favor in playing them before us they prepped them up to be used to playing a shitty offensive team yeah, <laughs> and not only that, but the so the Chargers are coming off a short week. You know, they have one less day to prepare and recover mm-hmm. from the previous game. Um, they didn't look in sync at all on offense. They haven't looked good all season. No, um, I think if our defense can play, and granted they run a different scheme with a different quarterback that's way, he's Justin Herbert's like 6'6". Six, six. He's not like Kyler Murray at all. But um, if we can just play good, sound defense against them and Geno can play like how we did against the Saints and the refs don't totally fuck up. I really like our chances to win this game. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and predict that we win like 23 to 14 is my prediction. Okay. Um, What do you think about this matchup? Uh, I think Justin Herbert is extremely overrated. I think he's super talented, but he doesn't win games, which is the best stat to, you know, decide whether or not a quarterback is a legitimate you know top 10 top five whatever yeah. and he just has the dude a, hasn't even made the playoffs so i don't yeah. want to hear all this justin herbert is a top five top three whatever he doesn't win he's put up really good stats and his arm is fucked up it's I, it's so trust good. me i know but you know I, who else I agree his arm with was you fucked too. up jay, jay cutler's <laughs> and he sucked yeah now he's living well, in montana on a ranch, smoking cigarettes, probably has a bee farm <laughs> that he doesn't do a good job with because he's lazy. <laughs> uh, but, uh, anyway, yes, I think we'll beat the Chargers. Um, I what now? I just jinxed us, and Justin Herbert is gonna like kick our ass and come back on a like fourth quarter game winning drive and beat us. Yeah, and he's gonna call us out in his post game interview. Yeah, he's gonna go up to the camera and fucking curse Jr. Takes. <laughs> um, but speaking of the Chargers and the game they just played, man, um, we're getting into really dark territory with the uh, Russell Wilson Broncos trade. 
Um, he's, he started off 10 for 10, looking like good old Russ. And, you know, I want the Broncos to lose every game. Don't get me wrong. I want, I want us to get the number one pick. That'd be crazy. Yeah. But just because, you know, I have a vested interest in that. But as a, you know, just human being that cares for other human beings, um, I, I have never seen Russell Wilson look as um, shaken as he looks probably emotionally. Is. He's probably never been in this situation in his life. Entire life. Everything has worked out for him up yeah. until this point. And everyone in the media is shitting on him. Like everybody in all these people on Twitter are just like kind of attacking his character. And, you know, like people are taking every little opportunity they can to just rain down on him more right now. It makes me think that a lot of people have not really liked him for a long time in in the media or whatever. Um, and it's, it's kind of shocking because Russell Wilson is not someone who's ever had off the field issues. He's not someone that's ever, you know, like gotten arrested or really done anything bad. And part of me wonders if that's part of why he's getting so much hate is because he's such a robotic, always do and act like Mr. Goody. I don't know. What do you, what is your take on it? So, um, I have two things I want to say. One of them I just remembered, um, and that is I thought this was really weird when I... This came to my mind randomly the other day, and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot he said that. That's weird now that I... Now that in hindsight, like, that he said this. But remember, like, maybe more than five years ago, Russell Wilson claimed that he used to be a bully. Yeah. in, In elementary or junior high. What... I bet you he was lying about that. I kind of always thought he was lying about that. (laughs) Like, that just so seems not his character. Like, yeah, I mean, it seems like he was just saying that to to relate to the situation or something. And to be like this, like, hey, bullies, you can change. Look what I did. I'm Russell Wilson. I used to be a bully and now I'm the quarterback for the Seahawks. Like, I I agree with you. Like, Um, I feel like that was the angle he was going at, like. I can inspire all these kids. I'm going to do it. He is a weird goofball guy, but that's the thing with him is like, there's nothing malicious about Russell Wilson. He's not a bad dude. No, he's just a fucking goofball (laughs) and is super corny and was born with the personality of a 52 year old father of five. Like this is just who he is, which is crazy to me that (laughs) Sierra's into that. But I guess, I mean, to each their own. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) still like hats to props to him for pulling that off. Cause it's like, even if you're a multimillionaire quarterback, like you, you can still be Andrew Luck. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. But, um, uh, the personal side aside, um, the dude completed three of 11 fucking passes in the second half. Uh, he's legitimately been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, shades of Mitchell Trubisky, statistically. Well, and, um, you know, I feel like people like Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre and Tom Brady and Drew Brees, and to an extent Ben Roethlisberger, but he was awful his last two seasons, so I don't really consider that too much. Um, but even you, we can keep going this, you know, throwing guys like Carson Palmer, throwing guys like Troy Aikman, Joe Montana, um, Tony Romo, you know what all of them have in common? Cam Newton as well. At age 34, they were done. They sucked. 
the re- they might have been done at age 34 or they played one more season and were terrible. But there is a really, really strong correlation to turning 33 to 34 at the quarterback position and never playing a good season again. And go ahead and look up all those names I just listed and look what, look what age their last season was. Cam Newton never played a good season again after he was 29. Um, this, uh, like narrative, the guys like Rogers and Brady have brought about that you can play into your forties. It's really more of the exception than it is the rule when it comes to quarterbacks. Like, it the wear and tear and the hits and just the demand to be so good at something into your mid and late thirties is extremely difficult. And there's not many play styles beyond the prototypical pocket passer that can pull it off. You know, guys like Peyton Manning, where the later half of his career, when he put up the best numbers he ever did, he could probably only throw the football like 45, 50 yards. And it was a wobbly noodle. Mm-hmm. But he just was so good up here that he could make it work. And, you know, Russell Wilson claims to be this super hard worker, but a lot of these mistakes he's making, like, yeah, maybe his arm's a little worse. Yeah, maybe he's a little slower. He's just fucking missing guys. I mean, there's a place where, like, the guy's wide open over the middle, and there's even a gap in the line for him to see, and he's just not looking. It's almost like, it's like what's holding him back right now is all mental. And I know part of that is he's injured and whatnot, but um, the fact of the matter is there's a lot more example out there of quarterbacks beyond the age of 33 never being good again than there is the opposite of that. And I can't believe the Broncos didn't do any of that research before they made this trade. Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny you say Russ, how hard of a worker Russell is. I mean, yeah, of course he is. Obviously, I mean, when he was with Seattle in his rookie year, I remember hearing like, oh, Russell was always the first to get there for, and last to leave. And yep. I was always like, oh, that's a great thing to hear. And then like, the more you follow Russell Wilson as a Seahawks fan, the more you see him posting about himself practicing and working out and like Russell always wants to show you and tell you that how hard he's working. Yeah. And that right there is just like just screams phony. To well, me. and how do you have time to work hard if you're running all these side gigs that he's doing? Yeah. You don't. Yeah. I think he lost the plot in like 2018, 2019 maybe and he played some of his best football in those years, but um I don't think he's busting his ass in the film room like he used to. Well, and uh Pretty interesting, actually. I heard this soundbite uh, today, actually, with uh, Michael Robinson. I don't know oh, yeah, I saw that, too. About yeah. how he talked about potential mutiny in the locker room. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I didn't think I would be hearing at all, let alone this early in the season. Right. But here's the thing. Um, not to defend Russell Wilson. He's played bad. But um, number one... The narrative that Denver has this amazing offensive supporting cast beyond Javante Williams, I think they fucking suck. Uh, Cortland Sutton is a good receiver. He's a very good receiver. I think Jerry Judy is a fucking diva, and I think he's a very good athlete, but not a very good receiver. He's he kind of reminds me of T.O., but with like a tenth of the talent. He doesn't run he also great. Gets injured quite a bit, and he, he doesn't can't stay healthy. He doesn't run good routes at all. Which is funny because that's what he was known for coming out of college. Well, I've watched 
kind of a lot of film on him because I was doing some research on Drew Locke in the offseason to see what we were getting ourselves into. And I the biggest takeaway I got from watching Drew Locke film was that Jerry Judy doesn't know how to fucking play football or doesn't put an effort half the time. And there was a few plays. Wilson tried to throw um, like a fade route to Jerry Judy, and Jerry just didn't even see the ball. Like he could have caught a touchdown on that play, and he just was like, it looked like he was purposely not trying to, I don't know. It was weird. Um, but Denver's offensive line is terrible. Like there was a few plays where Wilson hung onto the ball too long, but like he was getting hammered all game, the running game. There was no blocking. Like they look like an absolute mess on offense quarterback aside. So their problems run deeper than just Russell Wilson. Well, I got to tell you though, I'm like, Blaming the offensive line on an offensive line that protects Russell Wilson is getting hard to do. Oh, no, I agree. I'm just saying their left tackle is out for the year, and I think they're missing another starting offensive lineman, and they've just objectively been bad. Yeah. Um, they were okay against us, but even even when we were playing the Broncos, there was a few blitzes that got through right away. Um, the Jamal Adams blitz that he unfortunately got hurt on comes to mind. But um, the the point of what I'm trying to say is I, I really don't see it getting better for Denver. No, in and fact, I think uh, Nathaniel Hackett is going to be the sacrificial lamb. I think he anytime, is. Well, they they can't. They now. have a seven year commitment to Russell Wilson financially, and they cannot cut him without having a catastrophic cap hit from it until 2025 at the earliest. And even then, it would be like I think a 30 million dollar cap hit. Um, in dead money. So they have to make it work with him. Like players getting mad and throwing shade at Russell Wilson in the locker room or whatever, be damned. Like, sorry, you, you made your bed. You, now you got to deal with it. So, yeah. um, they are, they are in a mess. Um, and maybe they'll they get it together. They inherited a mess. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, <laughs> um and, you know, to wrap all this up, it pains me to see uh, Russell Wilson playing like this and to be behaving as meek and meager in his post-game interviews as he is. And he's not even ending his interviews with the Broncos Let's Ride thing anymore. Well, he can't. How can you? He, 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 he can't shouldn't. play the way you're playing and, yeah. do, and still be, everything's going to be fine. Right. Like, it's like that meme of the dog sitting in the, how, in the lit with kitchen with the on house fire. on fire. It's yeah. like you can't just... Pretend to ignore that and everything's sunshine and rainbows. No, you're losing and someone needs to be held accountable. I totally agree with you. All I'm saying is going all the way back to probably his like Pop Warner days, he's never been in this situation. It never, I mean, even last year when we were sucking, um, it didn't get this bad. It didn't even get close to this bad. And he didn't play close to this bad. Because he would at least have spurts and stretches where he had an amazing game. Yeah, or and at like, least just an amazing throw or two a game. Yeah. Like I don't think I've seen one vintage moon ball from Wilson this whole season where it just, you know, goes almost up to the jumbotron and The just, only vintage moon balls we've seen have been from Gino. Yeah. Well, here's one last thing I want to say about this before we move on. Um I think the receivers Wilson has been working with the last few years, DK and Tyler in particular, I think this shows how vastly underrated by the national media they have been because they they are a lot better than what he has in Denver. 
And I feel like the narrative was the opposite going into this season. Uh, Tyler Lockett is just incredible. Look, he's still producing with Gino, who, you know, he's playing great right now. But when when Wilson was on, I mean, he was playing at a Hall of Fame level for for years. And we all just thought he was making these receivers what they are. No, I, I think even going back to the Baldwin Tate years, I, I think we've always had some pretty damn good receivers in Seattle and just, we didn't always throw the ball 40 times a game. Um, so I, I think this is proving a lot of things, but most of which I think Pete Carroll knows what the fuck he's doing. Um, there's been a lot of things Pete Carroll has done from 2017 to now that have irked to me, but I have to admit I was wrong about Pete. Uh, well, dead wrong. I was wrong, too. However, give us some benefit of the doubt. We're watching a guy who's coached our team for 10 years now who has made arguably one of the worst play called one of the worst plays in NFL history in a passing play on the one-yard line in the Super Bowl. Maybe that was Bevel, not Pete. Come on. What? You think that that was better? You're going to blame Bevel? Pete doesn't call the offensive plays. But I don't know. I I have to put blame, a lot of blame on Pete. For well, that. he's the head coach. He's so the he, head coach. He gets blame for it. But I I'm just saying I don't put. To me, that's always been on Bevel. And, you don't think Wilson Pete had any sort of say in that final play in in the Super Bowl? I don't think head coaches, unless they're also coordinators, they don't really make those determinations in the game. I don't know. I've. I've heard otherwise throughout the league. I mean, doesn't what's his name on the Niners call his own plays? Yeah, but he was an offensive coordinator. Pete has always been a defensive coordinator and right. a defensive backs coach going back to his days in San Fran. Um, well, anyway, my point to bringing that up was like it's it's it was kind of easy for me to be like, get rid of Pete. I've seen yeah. enough. No, I, I want to just get out of this era of like still being mad about that Super Bowl loss. Like, I just want to move on. Yeah. And now that Pete has shown us, like, no, hold on. I'm here to stay, and here's why. Like, I'm, I'm extremely happy that he was able to prove all of us wrong because... Yeah, and he proved us wrong about Gino. He was right about Gino all off season, and I, I'm the dumbass that was like... Pete is out of touch. He's I mean, he's no one geriatric. thought Gino was going to be good. I no know. one thought that. Um, but I don't I, even know if Gino thought that. <laughs> I mean, the, the things the guy did in the offseason, are you serious? Like, yeah, no, we looked terrible in the preseason, dude. We looked like the worst team in the league. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just I, I could even – I'm one of the most optimistic people when it comes to the Seahawks, and I did not see – where we're at right now being the reality at six weeks into the season. But dude, just to wrap up this episode, um, we had two rookies this week, both mm-hmm. get named for NFC or rookie of the week on NFL.com. We just had a rookie Tariq Woolen get NFC defensive player of the week. One of our new additions, new Uchenna Nuosu. God, his name's hard to say sometimes. Uh, he also got that same award earlier this season. We have two rookie starting tackles. We have a rookie running back. We have a rookie nickelback. We have Boye Mafe as a rookie taking snaps over Daryl Taylor. Um, this is the best draft class 
easily since 2010, 11, 12, those drafts that really brought us to Super Bowl contention. We're potentially, I'm going to just go out and say, I think we're going to get a top 10 pick or at least top 12 from the Broncos, the way they're playing. Um, We're probably going to be somewhere in the middle of the pack, somewhere around like 20 to 16. We have a legitimate chance to be a contender next year if we can pull off even half as good as a draft as we had this year. I agree. The Seahawks' future has not been this bright since 2013, genuinely. Mm-hmm. Or I guess 2014, we'll say. But um, that we haven't been in this good of a position to, since then. We, we can take our pick at a quarterback in this draft. There's a chance the Broncos will be bad enough we could get Will Anderson, the best pass rusher, who plays in a 3-4 defense right now in mm-hmm. college. It's looking fucking good, man. It could not be much better. Yeah, and not to mention those two picks we're getting from Denver. Those are going to be in the top 45. In the second we, round, if too. If we keep up where we're at. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I think of, like, Kenneth Walker. He was picked number 41. Uh, Boye was number 40. And the types, types of guys you can get in the top 50 – the difference between the 30th pick and the 44th pick is usually your opinion. You know, mm-hmm. you're picking from the same class of players at that point, especially once you get out of like the top 15. Um, so yeah, we, if, as long as we don't get too cute this next April, like I I'm, I'm excited to see what the rest of the season has to bring. But to me, it's always been about 2023 and beyond mm-hmm. and damn, I'm excited for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like 10 years later, we're just repeating the process. 2021, we have kind of a going into the season blind sort of perspective. Hopefully next year, after we get our early draft picks, we'll have a better sense of where we're going to be. And then 2023, we can make a run. But who's to say we can't do it next year? Yeah, I mean... Really? Who's to say we can't do it this year? The NFC looks like shit. Our division, we're technically tied at the top of it right now. Mm-hmm. It's not totally inconceivable. Do I think it's going to happen? Hell no. But it's not impossible. Yeah. Do I think we're going to have a season like the 2017 Eagles did with Nick Foles playing quarterback? No. But do I think it's possible with Geno Smith playing quarterback for our team? Absolutely. Yeah. So Football's a weird game, man. Sometimes just... Sometimes there's just those seasons where nothing makes sense and some weird team wins the Super Bowl. Like the 2012 Ravens. Yeah. And on the 2011 Giants, they were bad. They were (laughs) fucking bad during the regular season. I thought they were going to go one and done. And then Eli Manning decided to have like the best run of his life and then return to being normal Eli afterwards. It just... Mm -hmm. Football's a weird sport. Yeah. But anyways, that's that's all I had for this one. Yep, that's all I got. Uh, hopefully this weekend we can beat San, or San Diego. Uh, I LA. still always think of them as San Diego, too. Yeah, yeah. LA, that's so stupid. I fucking hate it. <laughs> but uh, all right, yep, uh, this has been Jonah and Ryan. We're sounding off, and we'll uh, talk to you guys next week. Yep, catch you on the next one. <laughs>